News Hounds from Queen City Nerve is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Queen City Nerve's News Hounds podcast. We are on episode 10. I feel like that's somewhat of a mini milestone. What? That's, no, that's not accurate. That's this is 10? Episode 10, yeah. Cool. And um, we are here with our first ever repeat guest. First off, I want to introduce, as always, my co-host, Justin LaFrancois. What's going on? Hello. Pleasure to see everybody that can listen to us. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's mixing a, a first-time drink for a second-time guest. What are you making? And you just told me you've never, you don't even know what it's going to taste like. Nope, I just pulled these off the bar cart in the office. It's uh, Tito's vodka, raspberry liqueur, and Amaro Montenegro that I use in everything with lavender bitters. Oh, this is happening. Very chic. Very chic. We get a lot of judgment for that bar cart. Everyone who walks by our office oh, gives us eyes. stares, they and it's ridiculous. And like, uh, we like. wish you were this cool. <laughs> Um, and as mentioned, we have our first ever second time guest on the show, Morgan Fogarty of WCCB. Thank you for having me back. How's it going? It's going great. I Congratulations. I've seen you all the way since Tuesday. I know. We Con- made it 10 episodes. Congratulations on 10 episodes. It's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and we brought you in because of a little bit of a Charlotte Twitter hubbub. A dust up. It has been a dust up. Um, Tizzy, I've been calling it. It's all over the zeitgeist. Um, <laughs> Basically, a quick rundown being that the city of Charlotte got itself in some trouble with the local media world, um, and you have been on top of it on Twitter, holding people accountable, as you're supposed to do. Um, Do you want to give the the quick rundown of of the chain of events here? Sure. Um, We discovered on Wednesday that... Tuesday, the city had invited um, certain members of the news media to attend a meeting to get some information about the Eastland Mall site uh, rezoning revitalization project and had asked them to embargo the information um, until Wednesday. Right. The issue with uh, that is the, the selective asking of certain members of the news media instead of including all news media as we all serve different audiences um, in the Charlotte area uh, and they are a government agency funded by taxpayer dollars accountable to taxpayers uh, it's it was it became quite a quite a little mess right absolutely and and I think that that's a big deal especially in the alt media community I mean we obviously we're not one of the uh, media outlets c- invited Mm -hmm. but that's sort of what we pride ourselves on is is covering stuff like this that bringing bringing that to audiences that might not be the type who read charlotte observer or watch um the news local news every night um and and it's just a huge deal around transparency in general i think the the accusations flying around twitter had to do with you know handpicking certain journalists Uh, there was accusations that people were picking journalists that they thought we're going to cover it the right way in their eyes, meaning the city of Charlotte. But you, you've spoken back and forth with Jason Schneider with the city a bit, and you found my boss spoke with your him. boss did. I have not personally spoken with Jason. Jason yet. Um, nobody from the city has contacted me about this particular issue, even mm-hmm. though I've included them in a couple of my tweets. Um, 
What Jason indicated to my boss was that they um, selected news media to attend there who had been tough on them. Right. Um, I guess that explanation was meant to describe that they were hoping they could get less tough coverage out of them if right. they gave them some lead time. Do you a little or, favor. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure scoop. what that nobody's, means. Nobody's explicitly looking for the appropriate criticisms. They want it to be right. nice. So, but that's so stupid. Right. It's it's a red herring. It does it's, <coughs> it's not relevant to the conversation. Right. What I was told, Jason Snyder sent me in an email saying, eight outlets were invited spanning print, digital, radio, and TV mediums. We wanted to provide information so that people would have the opportunity to understand the rezoning and de development process, what was and wasn't included in the rezoning, and next steps. So when the document was published, people had a chance to digest the information, the document being published the next day. Mm -hmm. uh, our intent was to provide more access and more information than has been traditionally provided. But it looks as if they just sort of went for the people that they thought were going to be the biggest audiences? Oh, yeah. I, I push back on that narrative 100%. Right. I, and that's a that's PR. Right. He's doing PR right now. Um, and Jason he, Snyder, for context, is the, the spokesperson for the city of Charlotte. He is the director of uh, media and PR for mm -hmm. the city. He's on the city manager's senior leadership team. Mm -hmm. um, he is a former journalist himself, evidently. And quite frankly, he knows better. Mm -hmm. He did tell me he's a media nerd. And has learned a lot as uh, in the past day. In the past day, from what happened yesterday, um, he's saying we did not ch cherry pick reporters based on who has provided positive or negative coverage, which you said you agree with. It's it's more of a red herring argument in general. Yes, that also would contradicts what he said to my boss. Right. Um, uh, I think it would be fair to say that the reporters in that room are good journalists who provide balanced coverage, both good and bad, of the city. We reached out the to the beat reporters who regularly cover city council meetings and those had already inquired about the rezoning petition. Um, I've had several conversations with reporters and news directors yesterday and have been clear about why we did what we did and things we can and we will do better in the future. And, end quote. Um, so what did he tell your boss? Uh, well, I tweeted it, Justin. Oh. <laughs> City spokesperson Jason Schneider tells us they decided to give the info first to certain media who have been, quote, tough on us. Uh, then he apologized-ish. Then, <laughs> then he asked us how we intend to cover this tonight. This was uh, yesterday. Yeah. And then I added, that's not how this works. Um, <clears throat> I also learned today that he then called my boss after that tweet went out and asked her to have me take it down, mm. which... Um, she said, no, thank you, we'll not be taking it down. Yeah. Um, and evidently, um, he also asked to see a copy of our story before it ran. Right. Which we declined. Right. You were saying, practice. he asked, how are you going to cover this? Um, which is always just a huge red flag in general. Um, it was one of the first lessons I got in journalism. I just did a, like a puff piece interview, and I let the person see it beforehand, and they had all these changes. I brought it to my editor Kim Lawson, shout out to her. And she was like, why the hell did you do that? And that was a fun way to learn that. But um, yeah, so basically this, the story here being that the city itself, um, which need, has was just speaking at the retreat uh, that they had last month or earlier this month about transparency, about transparency especially specifically about this, um, site. this site and what's happening at Eastland. It's 
for context, uh, for those who haven't been following that story, this uh, the Eastland Mall site will be the f- site of the future headquarters for the city's new Major League Soccer expansion team. Um, so th- what this whole thing revolves around is the new plans for what that's going to look like. Um, looking here at my notes as far as beyond the MLS, the rezoning push allows Eastland to incorporate a mix of commercial and residential spaces, spaces in addition to offices, hotels, transit facilities, public park. I thought there were supposed to be a couple schools or at least one school that there was going to go there. There is a school on site already. Oh, okay. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, they built it in the back uh, north corner. Right. Um, it's a so big-ass site. They've already had issues or concerns from people about transparency with this project because of the way that it was handled even before it was announced that Charlotte got officially the MLS expansion team. Mm-hmm. Um that there had been discussions that where where nothing had been officially um, approved or signed or promised, there were some you know head nod agreements that had happened before it became public knowledge uh, of what the city had um, set aside for this project, which is that is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, people felt that it could have been handled differently, could have been handled better, could have been explained differently. Um, So it is unfortunate that they've had another issue with transparency when it comes to this project. Um, Transparency, of course, I mean, you know, we want that all the time as a community, not as members of the media, but as community members. Right. Yeah. And we're also those community members... Right. I live in Mecklenburg County. I live in Charlotte. My taxpayer dollars also go to these projects. So, um, yes, all of that. But in particular, the Eastland uh, Mall renovation project and rezoning project, that part of Charlotte has been desperate for some type of revitalization and some big project to get Mm -hmm. everybody behind it and sort of pump life back into that area that it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Absolutely. For the city... As a whole, and for East Charlotte in particular, mm-hmm. as just one part of our community. Right. Um, so to sort of parse out how that information comes out um, feels gamey, and it feels manipulative, mm-hmm. and it feels very much like Charlotte government continues to take lessons from D.C. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things, I grew up going to <clears throat> Eastland like I think a lot of people uh, who grew up as kids in this, in this city did. I mean, I grew up in Northeast Charlotte, and it's crazy to think now... Was sort of, I'm sort of near North Lake Mall, um, or was, but it was just like there was nothing over there at all. And it's crazy to think that Eastland was the closest mall. So, if that was the closest mall to me, it was the closest mall to so many hundreds of thousands of people, uh, going ice skating there and whatnot. And just to drive by it and see it empty for, for so long has been a sort of a scar for folks. And, and it also goes toward the whole discussion of two Charlottes where you see right. East and West Charlotte and there's no infrastructure, there's no uh, resources being pumped into it the way that there should be the way that there is in South Charlotte, South Park, stuff like that, mm-hmm. South End, um, South, just South everything. Um, so it's, it's very, it's, it's not just a development question in the sense of um, any other development that you might see happening around the city. It's something that people take personally here in Charlotte because they grew up with that site and, they want to, and the people who live there, it's one of the most, it is the most diverse corridor in Charlotte mm-hmm. uh, with the, uh, tons of different ethnicities and, and uh, pe- different immigrants who live there and own businesses and deserve to have the, the traffic 
mm-hmm. to to support themselves, stuff like that. Maybe you know, maybe Jason Schneider doesn't know that because he's four months into the job. I don't know, right? Uh, but you know, it, he evidently, I, I think, needs to do a little bit more research all the way around. It sounds like, right? And that's why <clears throat> that's why the story is so big on its own because of mm-hmm. the development of that site after it being vacant for so long. Yeah. And it's a huge issue for everybody in Charlotte. And then so to think not to just make that an open, even if it's an embargoed thing, right. how, how big is the city's press list right. when they reach oh, out we to get, people? We get like, emails Jesus all Christ. the time. Absolutely. Yeah, all the time from the city. Individual reporters one. and orgs. Yeah. Yes. And, and every taxpayer in this county is... There, that's what money is going toward Correct. the redevelopment of this, and then so to alienate half the public, right? There's there's no way that eight news organizations reaches every person in Charlotte. It's and the news organizations ridiculous. that were not included include Queen City Nerve, WCCB Charlotte, Fox Forty Six, uh, WBT Radio. Those Spectrum are News. Spectrum News. Shout out to Jonathan Lowe because Jonathan that's how Lowe. I first heard about it. Was right. him standing up and saying. Or I don't know if he was sta- sitting at the time when he tweeted, but he he called it out right. and said, this is not right. Who else? Those are the ones that I'm aware of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, and then you can also look at where you saw the stories come from. So mm-hmm. wherever the story came from is everybody else. None of those people were invited. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so then what continued, I think, to exacerbate this yesterday was beyond just the initial, we made a mistake we will. We are, are recognizing it. We are sorry, and we will not do this again. Then, after after they had conversations with news directors um, and reporters in some instances about what had happened, they sent out a tweet yes, tweet thread yesterday at five twenty two p.m. where they said, if there are transparency concerns around embargoed or exclusive conversations with media outlets, we want to work together to find a better way to handle these situations in the future. Um, Yes, there are. <laughs> there are. That it's one tweet. of those. It's one of those. Like, I'm sorry if I offended you. Like, right. that's not a real thing. If you know, yeah. you know darn well that there are concerns because you've heard directly from more than just Spectrum News mm-hmm. and good for Spectrum News and Jonathan for calling them out. They also said in their in their tweet thread, we have since reached out to Jonathan with an apology and explanation of the incident. Um, that's wonderful, and Jonathan deserved the apology, but there are other media outlets, news there media outlets, them, yeah. that also deserve to be included in that. What frustrates me today is the continuation of this narrative that they're driving, that it was an oversight to leave Jonathan out. It was not just Jonathan. Yeah. It was purposeful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, when they, when they tagged him in the tweets, and were like, we're sorry, Jonathan. Oh, because, yeah, yeah. Oh, because, yeah you have been covering it. You should have been the ninth. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Yeah. So I guess what my curiosity is, what do they gain from this? Who? From the city? Yeah, if we're saying that we do believe, and it's just a red herring, we do believe that they're not just picking people that they think are going to cover it the right way, quote, unquote. Um, what do they gain from leaving people out? Honestly, I, I just think they thought they were being slick. Right. I think that they decided, um, you know, WBTV, WSOC are legacy stations in town. Mm-hmm. They serve really big audiences and that's fantastic because that's what we're supposed to do um that doesn't mean that they serve every single member of the audience and i think um in in if i'm really just being directly honest i think they wanted the big dogs there Mm -hmm. and they didn't care about anybody else and um 
I think that speaks to their mentality. That says everything about the city and nothing about the news agencies. Right. Um, and it also speaks to, again, this is my opinion, um, that they will decide which audiences they think are worthy of hearing their information, mm-hmm. which as taxpayers should infuriate people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we see it with PR folks all the time. I mean, that's a no- very normal thing with PR agencies in town and stuff with media invites for media events, but that's their prerogative. It's not the same when it comes to city development. That's such a huge deal. And so if you're listening to this and you do that, that's it's stupid no matter where you do it from. Right. <laughs> if, if you're looking at it from a marketing aspect, that's, that's just stupid to not invite everybody. Yeah. But right. I mean, like... <clears throat> You know, I always think there's a conspiracy behind everything, right. and so I don't think anybody on city council is genius. Uh, but maybe it was a marketing ploy because right. they knew that all the other media would get up in a tizzy. Oh right. yeah, now I think you're giving them a lot them. of credit. Uh, yeah, we want to come never, cover you all the time I now. I would never give them that kind of credit, but you know, that's the conspiracy theory well, that I yeah. just made up. Justin, but you when know. we're delivering papers, <laughs> if we're picking up a lot of papers, conspiracy. If we're not picking up a lot of papers, <laughs> it's a great pickup day. Conspiracy. Conspiracy. Somebody's doing this. Very skeptical. But, um, you know, our city council is on track to be the city council that the whole world has their eyes on Charlotte being in charge of with the RNC, the soccer team, everything that goes on here. And that's all they want to do is they just want the big national stuff. So they don't care about anybody smaller than, like you say, the big dogs because mm-hmm. that's going to get – National coverage, like, oh, mm-hmm. this city is adding the new soccer mm-hmm. team, and it's on this historic site. Let's oh, dig deep into that. And unfortunately, we saw this play out in 2016 with the unrest in Charlotte when all the networks came in, um, and they wanted to interview the local politicians and the local leaders and the police department folks. They were tripping over themselves to get in front of those network cameras, couldn't be bothered with the little guys, meaning oh, us, yeah. who live here, mm-hmm. who serve oh, the community UNC every day. Charlotte shooting was the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um it's frustrating. And actually, I called Jennifer Roberts out when that happened because yeah. she was doing an interview with a network instead of talking with local um, news reporters here who live in this community, serve this community, um, and are here every day, good, bad, or indifferent, whether there's a big, huge national story or not. Um, you know, politicians are people just like everybody else. They like attention, they like the limelight, they love cameras. Don't let them tell you any different. Mm hmm. Right. Yep. There's no exclusivity in de- in democracy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And um, last time we had the early trans earlier transparency issues with the um, MLS team and the funding and stuff and people having an issue with why this wasn't discussed before it was just announced. Um, and I'm talking about the the actual announcement of the team and mm-hmm. the and the announcement of tourism funds going towards it, not the Eastland Mall site. But we had, or you had, uh, Larkin on WCCB News Edge, which comes on every weeknight at 10.35, wink, wink. Um, And I was on that show, too, and and we were asking him about certain things with the transparency issue. And then he also weighed in last night, which I didn't didn't read his tweet. I heard you guys mention it when we were walking in. He put that up this morning. Oh, it was this morning. What was his his take. I know I saw Braxton say, why did we do this? Mm-hmm. Which I thought was funny wording. Cause it did. <laughs> <He said, laughs> like, I like one where he was like, CLT gov, who said this? Yeah. Larkin, um, um, weighed in and I'm going to try to find it really quickly while we're all scrolling and talking. Oh, oh okay. He wrote, um, the reporters who frequently cover Charlotte city council beat were invited to the briefing. 
Jonathan updates should have been invited to that list but was missed. Um, I replied to that and said, Larkin, with due respect, that's a cop-out and you know it. We all cover local government and politics. Whether newsrooms have specifically assigned political beat reporters or not, that is of zero concern of Charlotte City government. Um, which, so the, the, the issue with that, and this is a little bit inside baseball, but there are some newsrooms who have assigned stories to beats, or mm. reporters to beats, rather, and those reporters you know, have political beats and they show up all the time and they cover only that. There are other newsrooms that have general assignment reporters who cover the news of the day as it happens. Um, and how a newsroom is staffed and who they send to meetings and how often they get there is really of no concern of right. any local government agency of who is there or not. Um, if we can't get to a story and we miss it, that's on us. All you have to do is invite us. Right, right. I agree. And that's, because we don't <laughs> cover every city council meeting, absolutely but we generally not. do in our, our news roundup. And yeah, it's our, uh, it's absolutely, I can totally relate to that as someone with a newsroom of me. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. That's just, we try to do what we can at all times, but it's good, uh, it's good to know when we can do Fuck you, it. I'm in that newsroom. Well, yeah, and I also have a lot of other contributors, but you know the, the only person in editorial full-time every day, I'm not trying to... We'll get into your great we'll journalism in the like, second half of the no, podcast. But I'm saying, like, like I, oh my god, I don't, I don't want to make Guys, this sound like I'm. De- I don't want to make this sound like I'm defending myself. So let's just <laughs> no. And you know what? You know, for for our a small newsroom, small newsroom, I can speak to, to our newsroom. Courtney Francisco was a great reporter. She <laughs> is a great reporter. She's um, unfortunately she took a new job in Cincinnati. We miss her, and she's um, doing great there. But Thanks she for following me. She was a great. Um, She's a great reporter. She did a great job in Charlotte. She was regularly at city council meetings, mm-hmm. regularly at the government center, regularly interviewing local leaders about um, local government issues. We send Marvin Beach all the time. We send Alex Elich all the time. They, we are regularly at the government center. Are we at every single Monday night city council meeting? No, we are not. Mm-hmm. But we are a presence there. They know us. We have them in our cell phones. We talk to them on a regular basis. Um, I'm sorry that Jason Snyder doesn't know who reporters are in this town. That sounds like a him problem. So is right. he the one that requested or sent out the invites? Jason? It sounds like well, my he's, understanding. he's at okay. the very least. I wouldn't know oh. because they're still not providing transparency exactly uh, on how uh, it all went down. They just don't respond at all. Well, I've submitted an open records request. Oh, yeah, I saw that, yeah, that. yeah. Um, where I've asked for all copies of correspondence, text, emails, documents, notes, et cetera, between city employees that mention, discuss, references, or includes at 128 embargoed news briefing. Um, they let me know today that they received it. Uh, this email serves a, as an acknowledgement of your public records request. And then I had a phone conversation with somebody from city government. As, actually, I was on a, as I was on my way over here, uh, letting me know that they are working on fulfilling the request. And it might be Monday before they get me the documents. Isn't today okay. Thursday? Today is Thursday. That's a long time. Justin, I'm proud of you. Thank you. You never know what day it is. <clears throat> That's very good. Could All right. Friday. Who'd have known? Well, yeah, I think this is a very interesting thing to keep our eye on. And, and if nothing else, the hubbub and the dust up and the... F- f- fracas. Uh, the fracas, nice, um, will serve as good um, as a good experience for Jason Schneider moving into his new position um, to do better. Um, does anybody know where that he came from? He's, you said he worked he's, for he's Atrium a before he oh. moved to the... Gov- to sit, uh, communications? Yes. So wasn't he a journalist before that? Yes. All right. Didn't say where he, his his the bio I saw didn't oh, gotcha. include where he worked. Um, I do want to say really quickly. I want to thank the people um, who support 
news media like us, mm-hmm. um, who are not members of the news media, but who also were frustrated by this and had our backs and also demanded accountability and answers because without you guys, um, we don't have the we have more bark than we do bite sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's really helpful when we have taxpayers in the community behind us saying, yes, do what you're supposed to right. do. And I had retweeted someone just because you just said the bark and bite thing. Um, oh, yeah. Really I had retweeted someone quote. earlier today that was a quote that I love from it was Kelly from Yeah, NPR. but you... Did you get my reply to you about it? I saw no, it. No, I didn't. I saw it. Why? What? <laughs> I'll let you read it live on air. Yeah. All right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Um, uh, lesson relevant. You mean a lesson for Charlotte government? This, oh yeah, relevant too is why. Because I was gonna say, I was gonna word it as in like a lesson for read Charlotte media. Read the tweet before you explain yourself. Oh okay, okay. Here we go. <laughs> so I quote tweeted Laura Sullivan from NPR saying, and she's talking about the uh, Matt Matt. What's his name? I have no idea. Pompeo. Pompeo. Oh yeah, um, Mike. I was gonna with the Ukraine and the yeah, mask. Said, the I was reminded recently issue. of a city police chief who once told me he hated reporters but invited them along anyway. Quote, reporters are like a pack of dogs. If you don't feed them, they go through your trash. And I had quote tweeted that saying a lesson relevant to Charlotte Media this week, meaning it applies to Charlotte Media. Morgan <laughs> going through your trash right this second. Uh did definitely did not mean that Charlotte Media was in the wrong here. Um and then, you know, and anybody with the government should totally take heed to that because Absolutely. if you piss off a bunch of people who report on things they're going to find bad stuff to report on you. Absolutely. A lot of th- a lot of great things are done out of spite, hence the paper that we own. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what we're here for. That's what we're here from. All right, we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and, and chat a little bit about local news. Uh, different Other topics. Local news. How long do runners need to stretch before hitting the road? This is a 60-second training tip powered by OrthoCarolina. Stretching muscles while the body is at rest can lengthen muscles and help runners improve performance, reduce injuries, and recover from a tough run faster. But how long should a good stretch last? The simple answer is 30 seconds. This allows your cold muscles to relax and be ready for work. Taking the time to stretch properly is critical, especially if you're coming back from an injury. Something to note though, stretching a muscle group for longer than 30 seconds can actually decrease your speed and hurt your performance. In addition to a good pre-run stretch, spend some time after your run and stretch the same muscle groups for 30 seconds as well. This has been your 60-second training tip powered by OrthoCarolina, official team physicians of the Carolina Panthers and proud sponsor of the Queen City Podcast Network. For more training tips or to make an appointment, visit orthocarolina.com. And welcome back to Queen City Nerves News Hounds Podcast, Episode 10, The Mini Milestone. We are here with Morgan Fogarty and Justin LaFrancois. Uh, Morgan, are you wearing Ivy Park today? We includes us. You don't have to. No, I'm not. Oh, Why? True. What makes you ask? I wish I was. Well, you're wearing the Virginia Tech colors. Oh, yes. And I know you to be a Penn State gal, so. That's very true. Yeah. yeah. It looks like Ivy Park. That's Thank you. Compliment. It's either way yeah, a great I like outfit. Yeah, um, so we're going to jump into some local local news. Um, one thing I wanted to go through was something that was in our weekly news roundup last week, which was the 
big fine, but I don't think nearly big enough for John Stumpf. How do you say that name? Mm-hmm. Were you covering Stumpf. him next? Yeah. Okay. Now, he is the former CEO of Wells Fargo who oversaw the bank's 2008 acquisition of Charlotte-based Wachovia, but more importantly, he was in charge during the fake account scandal that led him to resign from his position in 2016. Uh, Stumpf was also fined $17.5 million, but he was banned from banking forever. Whoa. Yeah. No more banking, bro. Um and I mean, I thought that was pretty. Wait, so but then, if he was the former CEO, was he like retired? Was he working? Well, he resigned because of this thing. Oh, there so was no he was sign that he was planning in banking anyway. Eh, he could have came back if he wanted to. Um, <laughs> Not no more. Basically, what happened here was when he was overseeing, when he was the CEO, he had they they found that it's almost like sort of like the housing crisis where people were greedily setting these things up where. The higher-ups at Wells Fargo were setting unrealistic sales goals. In order to start meeting those, employees started opening millions of fake bank accounts and customers' names in order to reach those goals. Um, and then even their higher-ups started to become aware of it, uh, records show. And Jennifer Moxley was one of those. Oh, she was one of the what? She was one of the fake accounts. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought you were calling her out. I thought I she was one of the employees. Uh, no, she uh, she <laughs> tweeted out a video of Lock her. Lock her up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> she tweeted out a video of her uh, on the news talking about how oh, yeah. it impacted her business. So, I mean, this is, this is obviously just a new punitive thing about an old news story, but the reason I wanted to bring it up is because me and... Me and Justin have beef with this bank. Yeah. Fuck this bank. We're broke. Yes, because <laughs> how are you allowed? Okay, this is what our thing is, Morgan. Talk your smack. Yeah, if fuck you, a fake account. How about a real yeah, account? Yeah, this is on a real account. If you start to transfer... Okay, so first of all, they force you to have this savings account, and every dollar out of every... Per, or one dollar after every purchase yeah. goes to this savings account. And if you try to transfer it back into your or that money back into your regular account too many times in a month, and they'll charge you $35. $35. Same as an overdraft fee. Yep, and if you get a an overdraft, um, then they also charge you. So basically so what these policies are doing is targeting the poorest people, people yeah. that they possibly can. Because it's... They, Which are us. They call it a debt and try to collect that debt on you. So if you go to like negative $1... Then you're at negative $36. And that's just ridiculous. Come negative $36 of your own money. Of your right. own money that now you have to pay back. Like, I, you know, you might be living, like, I, I bartend on the weekends. I've got cash. Mm-hmm. And sometimes my bank account dwindles. Just as every service industry person that I fucking know mm-hmm. uh, runs their life on cash with no money in their bank account. And they just put stuff in there to pay bills. You get hit with an auto draft that puts you at negative $250. Uh, and then you get hit with a $35 fee on top of that, like you can just sink yourself down into a fucking hole, especially if right. it keeps happening. Because mm. that happened to me last month. Well, we we yeah. have sank each other. Where I mean, I we hit, have sank into some holes this, I hit negative, this year. I hit negative 500 because of bills that were coming out of my account for our business. And then I had my personal ones hit at the same time. And they charged me eight $35 overdraft oh fees my gosh. for that. Yeah. And I, got, I called them and I was able to get $8 back from that. Wow. Yeah. One thing, and this is also old news. One, go ahead. You look like you're coming up to the mic. No, I was just leaning in to hear you. Oh Sorry. yes, I'm <laughs> very in, ex- inspiring speaker. <laughs> uh, 
So I did not know about this whole deal with the Navajo Nation where last year they had to pay them $6.5 million for um, some predatory practices that also happened under Stump. Uh, and I was reading into this a little bit more. I didn't put all the details into the weekly news roundup, but they um, were basically preying on the most vulnerable folks of this tribe. So you're looking at a vulnerable population and then picking out the most vulnerable folks, which are elderly people. A lot of these elder, uh, elderly people did not speak a lick of English, and they were opening up accounts for them, and, and, and not in the same way that this earlier um, scandal happened. They were actually like opening up accounts for these specific people and then using them to make money off of them. Um, so that was a $6.5 million fine for the whole bank. Uh, to be paid to the Navajo Nation, which I think that's is kind it? of a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a drop in the bucket. That's a tiny Fargo. drop in the bucket. It's less than half of what the, uh, what John Stumpf had to pay himself for his role in the scandal. Um, which, by the way, if you believe Google, he ha- evidently has a net worth of $50 million. Right. So is that before or after his $17 million fine? Do those know. fines ever get paid? Like, you hear about... Well, I was just interested in hearing. He has recent. the means to it, so I don't yeah. know why they wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, because then you know they just start putting liens on your property, and yeah, because yeah, his true. net worth might only be in assets. Yeah. yeah, take it all. Get him on the phone. Let's yes. find out, Johnny boy. <laughs> all right, and then uh, another story that really um, hit hard in the news this week was the uh, the they opened up application process for the mezzanine at Freedom uh, affordable housing complex. Um, over on Freedom Drive. You wouldn't believe that's why it's called that. Um, And this is an affordable housing complex that's been touted for a long time as one of the examples of how we're going to sort of at least try to put a dent in the affordable housing crisis here in Charlotte. Right. And um, it looks like uh, on, what was it, Monday? I think it was was Monday because that's why, yeah, we were putting the paper together and I couldn't make it out there. But the they opened up the application process had people line up, and I believe around thirteen hundred. I think thirteen hundred people showed up for one hundred and eighty-five units. No, one hundred and twenty-nine. One hundred and twenty-nine were reserved for income qualified yeah. renters. Um, Twenty-five dollar application fee. Mm. Right now, the good news that came out of this, I think it was earlier today or later yesterday, is that Charlotte Mecklenburg Housing Partnership said they will refund the twenty-five dollar application fee for anyone who didn't get qualified in the first run of whether you're qualified or not. And then anyone who did get qualified and does not get a unit will have a choice to either go on a waiting list or get your $25 back. Sure. Um, So so I hate, I hate the outlet that story came from, but that's a really good positive (laughs) impact from it. It's, um, it was really one of those things that personified the problem that so many privileged people like to talk about in an abstract sense, in a numbers way, in a statistical way. And then you look at the pictures from Alvin C. Jacobs out there uh, on Monday, and it's this is it. These are the lives at stake here. These are the people who need this affordable housing, as opposed to just saying, "Here's our percentages and here's our numbers of how many folks." Justin, you've been doing some some reporting on a similar similar things with homelessness, and you've yeah, got some numbers. I'm I'm looking at uh, you know cost burden housing, uh, uh, cost burden households, and how you know our our homeless population increase. It, the The numbers are always askew. They do their point in time count, which they just did this morning, which is essentially just a one random night. Here's how many people are experiencing homelessness, sheltered and unsheltered. 
It takes about six months for that number to get put in the housing instability and homelessness report because they're compiling that data over the course of a year. Mm -hmm. They're looking at that year from October to September. And then they do two updated counts, one in October and one at the end of December for the number of people experiencing homelessness. Most of that is required by HUD uh, for funding toward uh, establishing permanent housing. But uh, so then there's another number that comes from the HMIS report, which I can't remember what it stands for, and it doesn't really matter. So the numbers, you never really know exactly Mm -hmm. how many people are experiencing homelessness. But essentially, that number went from 2,106 in June 2019 to 3,569 in December 2019, Mm -hmm. which is a 76% increase over six months and a 142% increase over last fiscal year. Uh, which is the highest increase they've ever had, 95% six years ago coming the closest to it. So, like, the reason that that mezzanine... That uh, freedom. That freedom thing was so important is it was the perfect visual representation of the housing gap. It wasn't the exact visual representation of the housing gap because... Um, anybody who spends more than 30% of the area media income... So more than 30% of your income on housing costs is cost burdened. Uh, And we need 32,000 units uh, that are affordable for people to pay 30% of their income on or to make it to where they're not spending 30% of their income. And we are 27,000 units short. Right. Of getting that. We have 5,000 units. Well, okay. We have 10,000 units that are priced Mm -hmm. to where you don't have to spend 30%. But 5,000 of those are occupied by people who it is now helping. They're now no longer spending 30% of their income. 4,700 of those are um, inhabited by people who could pay more. Oh, wow. So technically, we have 10,000 units Mm -hmm. that are available to, to decrease that gap. But we're 27,000 units short right. because 5,000 people are being selfish. Right. But they're not being selfish. That was another thing. Is I talked to the CEO of Urban Ministry Center and the men's, center, uh, men's shelter yesterday. And, you know, if you can pay less, pay less. Well, like, yeah. You, that's, you, know, you can't haven't... put that on the people. But, no. but that's what we're looking at is essentially in total we're 27,000 units short. But realistically we're 22,000 units short of people being able to afford to live to where if an emergency doesn't happen, somebody breaks their leg, or you lose your job, you're not going to be homeless. Right. Um, so just to look at that number, you got 129 to 1300, or you got 5,000 to 32,000. Right. So scalably, that was the perfect visual representation of our housing instability in Charlotte. Right. But that's why I love the mezzanine stories because it's fucking. It's the perfect. Exa- it's the Perfect approach to solving that problem. Right. Good job on all that research. Thanks. That's Justin's killing it. A lot. <laughs> it's a lot of number crunching and processing and he's, breaking it down. He's going to be a journalist after all. Then we'll have You're to find a publisher. Make it because I hired a full-time all. sales guy. Yeah, but now he's he's just <laughs> hit the ground running. No, it's I mean affordable housing remains and is going to be one of, if not the biggest issue we have in this town in terms of growth and stability and sustainability Mm -hmm. and education, all Mm -hmm. of it. I mean, it all 
comes down to, to that. No, a critical sure. person will look at it like, you know, you got two arms, you got two legs, why don't you go and work? Uh, around 50% of our homeless population are employed uh, and don't make enough money to live. It's 109 hours a week to afford a two-bedroom uh, unit at the fair market rate uh, if you're making seven twenty-five an hour. Um, so a lot of people will say that. They'll be like, well, why don't you just work and get a job and yada, yada. Well, it, you know, the goal of everybody is to live comfortably, but if you look at the, the metro population being around 2 million, and we only we're only short twenty seven thousand units of that. Right. Like, quit your bitching. Let's make it happen. Quit your fucking bitching. Yeah. You know. It's really right. easy for people to detach and do what you said. Like, yeah. just go get a job. It's do better. I mean, yeah. you gotta you gotta you gotta dig deeper. You could and find just out not more. say anything. Right. You know? Just There's maybe stop. Plenty talking. of other people that want to help. So <laughs> if you don't have anything helpful to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you coming in, Morgan. And, oh, we're and done. Get, yeah, we're we're done. Oh. You, you have always, an interview. It to always go gets do. great towards the end, right? When you <laughs> no. just want to stop. Just when we want to just hang out and talk. But um, yeah. Yeah. Thank Morgan's you. Morgan's got to go back to work. Yes. And um, I've got more tweets to send to the yes. city. Get, keep keep at them. Is what did uh, go get them or whatever Justin texted to you today. I I concur. Eat them. Eat, eat them up. up. Okay, <laughs> that's a little weirder than I thought. Is that what I said? Go get them no, is better. You know what? I just, I think it's important for them to be accountable. And in this town, I know you both know this very well, the MO for government agencies in particular, and that includes CMS, mm. CMPD, city government, county government, is to stick their head in the sand and ignore it until it goes mm. away. Um, well, you got a follower out of my girlfriend today. She was wanting a podcast Shout out for a long time. Thank so you, there Caroline. it is. You're, you're oh, in depth. Oh, got it. All right. You also well, didn't drink all of your drink, but that's all right. Yeah, you're not drinking today. So, what exactly about it did you not like? It's it's lovely, but I'm actually working right now. So. Well, you know, we're all I got working. Shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna go up to the office and keep drinking and keep working. All right. Well, Thank uh, you, at least the drink matches your Ivy Park. Um, but we appreciate you coming on, giving us some good insight. Cheers. Cheers. 